Last week, I had this strange dream at night, and in my dream, I could hear this scurrying off in the distance. And so in my dream, I I sit up in my bed, and I look over, and there's a squirrel on its hind legs staring me in the face. And so I sit there for just a moment, and all of a sudden, I realize I'm awake right now. And, uh, and so I, I, I stay there for a minute, and, and I'm just trying to stay calm because I'm trying to figure out how to tell Nina, who's right next to me, who in these cases often will scream uh, if put in the, the situation. And so I hear this next to me, what's going on? Joel, what's happening? I go, hey, everything's fine. Everything's good. There's a squirrel right next to our bed right now. And immediately the squirrel goes jumping onto the curtains and runs halfway up the curtain. So I jump out of bed. The squirrel jumps off the curtains right in front of me, scurries underneath our bed. So I go around the other side to the on Nina's side and it scoots, it, it darts underneath me into the closet. Every step of the way inciting an ah from Nina. And I don't know if she was scared at the squirrel or she was scared at the sight of her husband in his skivvies trying to chase this squirrel into the closet, but it was all a scary sight. Is that too much information? May I forget? I'm getting real tonight. Forgive me. So I go into the closet and uh, look around, and, and there were two holes uh, that the plumber had left uh, and that the squirrel got into. And so the whole week was trying to catch this squirrel. And he is taunting me, you guys. I mean, I plug the holes, he pushes the plugs out. He gets into the toilet and uses it like a hot tub. I mean, it was, and so finally Nina politely, gently says to me, she says, listen, if that squirrel is living in our walls in there, I am not sleeping in there tonight. So, okay, listen, baby, I got it. Share Schmidgall's on the case. And it didn't really assure her. But I grabbed my deputy, Zeke, my three-year-old son. We went to Frager's Hardware. We rented a squirrel trap for $4.90. We brought it back. We collected some acorns. We got some apples. We got Zeke's favorite cereal. And we took it upstairs. We set this trap. And Zeke was hilarious. He was so funny because he had his little Nerf gun. And he's taking around and he calls it his pewer. I'm going to pew him, Dad. If he comes, I'm going to pew him. And so we're getting into this thing. And uh, so, the, so we go up a couple hours later to check out the trap. And I look in and it's dark and motionless. I'm like, ah, oh, bummed out. We didn't catch him. And I close the door and then I realize, but the trap door was down. So I'm like, Zeke, why don't you, you just go check, look in there and check it again. So a <laughs> good father, right? So he opens the door and sticks his head in. And he looks back. Dad, we got the squirrel. And so we're ju- we start jumping. We're high-fiving. We go in the room, and the squirrel, like, jumps out. So we freak out, but then we start, you know, again going. We're like Alabama at the national championship game. We just dominated the opponent. We're feeling good. It was this week of adventure. Quite literally, I was chasing my dream the entire week. A lot of us find ourselves chasing a dream, and we don't know how to catch it. And there's elements of fear to it, and there's elements of frustration. And there's this sense that even if the Father promises us the the capturing of this dream, we don't know that we have faith that that's actually going to happen. Genesis chapter 15, we find Abram in a dreamlike state. And we're going to start in verse 1, Genesis chapter 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. 
Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. Verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. He said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. Abram comes out of this experience with a fully formulated dream. Number one, that he would have a great inheritance. Number two, that he would take possession of the land. Now, we're here today, and all of us have different dreams. And that's what makes this series so much fun. One person is is moving towards that dream job that they've been studying for for so long. Another person is, is thinking about that significant other. Another person is hoping or, or dreaming for healing in the midst of sickness. But all of us come in with different dreams. But here's the beauty of the scripture, that, that no matter what our dream is, the principles are building blocks in our lives that we can apply to whatever situation, whatever hurdle we have in front of us. And so we take this scripture with Abram, and there's, there's four things that happen for him to get to this place where he has this, this full sense of a dream. Number one, Abram gets in God's presence. You can get your inspiration for a resolution from an infomercial. But to get a dream, you've got to turn your TV off. You've got to put your cell phone away. And you've got to get in the written word of God. And you've got to spend time in the living word of God to get a dream from Almighty God. John chapter 14 we see that Jesus comes along and the disciples are in a bad place and he speaks life into them. And it's one of the most comforting scriptures in all of the gospel. And he comes to him and he, he starts talking about life after death. And he starts talking about how he will go and prepare a place for them. And he starts talking about the assurance of heaven that is to come. And what do the disciples say? What do they respond? How do they respond to this? We see it in verse 5. But we don't know the way. We are never satisfied with a promise, are we? We always want the blueprint. We want and the disciples, they want assurance. They want direction. They want to know the way. And what does Jesus say in response to them? You want to know the listen, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life and no man comes to the Father except through me. If we want a God-given dream, we have to encounter Almighty God. We don't just get inspired whatever's around us or come up with it. It doesn't matter. No, we have to come before the Lord and spend time in His presence. We've got to have an encounter with God. Any of us can come up with a dream. And we have different dreams. Maybe some of us dream about being rich. Maybe we dream about that shortcut to success. Maybe we dream about fame. Maybe we dream about that, that position that, that we could get. Any one of us can come up with a dream. But where is your dream born? What is the birthplace of your dream? Where did it start? In Jeremiah 23, God says, The prophets cause my people to forget my name by their dreams. They cause my people to forget 
my name by their dreams. What purpose does your dream serve? Maybe you're here today and you say, I have a dream and God hasn't fulfilled it. I'm frustrated. Well, listen, maybe it's because it's your dream and not God's dream. And maybe God allows you to live in the frustration of that dream because he knows you have to die to your dream for your dream to become his dream. And when it becomes his dream, you can step into the promise and the fulfillment, not in your time, in his time, not in your way, in his way. Because our calling is to submit and to surrender to him. What's the motives behind your dream? Our dreams can hinder God's dream within us. Have you ever had a pan that, that after you cook, you overcook a meal, it gets so dirty and crusty that, that you, know, you just set it aside because you don't want to deal with it right now. Because it's going to take a while to get all that grime and that dirt off. And so what do you do? You take it. You put it in water, you soak it, right? And you leave it overnight, then you come back to it the next day. And what happens? Then you can just kind of wipe that stuff off. And now it's available for its intended use, okay? I believe here today that there are purposes in this place, that God has dreams in this place that are uncovered within our soul, within our hearts, that his intended purposes are there, but we have hindrances in our life. We have dirt and we have grime that comes against us and we set ourselves aside. So what do we do? The only thing that we are called to do is to come before God and soak in the presence of God. Because we get in his presence. When we soak in his presence, all that stuff just starts to wipe away. All the grime and the dirt and the gook and the sin in our lives begins to wash away. And then we come back to a place where we are ready and prepared for our intended use in his time and in his way. We see the scriptures lead us to a very clear point, and Abram gets in the presence of God. And then number two, he prays through his problems. Abram laid out his petitions before God. He comes to him and he says, listen, I cannot, I can't do this thing. This is out of, I, I am unable. God, I need you to step in and take control. And he takes and he owns up to his problems. And he prays through his problems. A lot of us here at the church have, have begun to give towards this dream that we talk about in Southeast D.C. And, and we're talking about a dream center and we're, we're raising money and we're praying into this thing and we're working hard and we're so excited about what God is doing. And, and it's been fun to practice this principle in that setting, to practice the principle of praying through problems. And so we take our teams out. We have Adopt-A-Block and we take our teams out on Saturdays and we get to go neighbors. And, and one of our neighbors, Lynn, uh, man, for months we have been praying uh, for her cousin Peaches, who is just in a, a desperate situation, who is depressed and has been so for. So every time we see her, we're praying for Peaches. We don't know what to do. Hey, it's your problem, though. All right, it's our problem, too. We're going to pray through this thing. It's awesome. This last Saturday, for the first time, we got a positive report that, that she's got a new job, that she's doing well, that she's overcoming depression. Praise God. We're going to pray through those problems. We're going to do this. Another couple that we encounter, their thing is, hey, we need groceries at the end of the month. All right, it's your problem. It's our problem. We're going to pray through this thing together. So we start to pray, and we've got a list. We've got a prayer list that we share needs after we go out during the day. And some people who hadn't even been to our group before show up with groceries. 
hey, we're going to pray through these problems. God will come in his time, in his way. This last summer, we took some youth out to a river house, and I got the chance to share about setting goals coming into a new school year. And so I said, what goals are you setting? Let's think about it right now. We broke into small groups. We sat down. The first girl in my small group says, uh, my goal for this semester, I don't want to get in a single fight for this whole semester. All right, I don't know what to do with that one, but we're going to step into this. This is our, we're going to pray through our problems. Listen, do not allow your problems to dictate your dreams. Allow your prayers to dictate your dreams. Do you know that dream and fear go hand in hand? Don't they? All of our dreams are are right there walking with fear. And it depends on the day that you're in, doesn't it? Today, what are you doing? Are you walking in fear or are you walking in dream? Are you walking in problem or are you walking in prayer? Are we able to step out of those things into faith in God? He, had, he has called us to rise above. Listen, I'll be honest. I've been praying for a dream center for years, for years. And there are roadblocks, there are hurdles, and there are things that come against us. And guess what? That hasn't even stopped. And we're, we're making advances, we're striding, and, and man, God is doing more. And I'm just amazed at the testimonies and the winds that are coming. But there continues to be hurdles. Some might call those hurdles mountains. And we look at the mountains in front of our dreams, in front of our destiny, and we say, that mountain is in the way of me achieving my dream. That mountain is in the way of us stepping into our destiny, but that's not true. That mountain is the way to your dream. That mountain has been placed there so you can go right. Abram prays through his problems. He looks his problems directly in the face, says, God is able. If God is willing then we will overcome this thing. This is not my dream. What's it mean? It means what I said earlier. If it's your dream, it probably won't happen. If it's your dream, you've got to live in a state of frustration so it dies. And so what happens? Then when your thing dies, his thing lives. In my weakness, he is strong. In my death, he gives life. We've got to lay those things down at the altar of God. And when we do, we step into the dream that God has for us. Hallelujah. Number three, he gets out of his routine. Mark, Pastor Mark often says, a change of pace plus a change of pace, change of pace plus a change of place equals change of perspective. And that's what happens here. Abram has to get out of his man-made situation and step into a God-created environment to be able to see the length and the breadth of the dream that God desires to perform. We've become so programmed in our lives that we have no time for creation. We have no time for, for revelation from God. The best time during our holiday was when Nina and I took a half day off and we got away from everything. We got away from the kids and we just went out and we talked and we prayed and we dreamed about our family in 2013. And it was awesome. We just got out of our routine and our environment and we, 
went over to Barnes and Noble for a couple hours, and then we went to Founding Farmers. Hallelujah! They got those little donuts, the beignets thing, you know, the beignets from down south, and all. Oh, they're so good, and they are, they're holy in their rights. And <laughs> and you know, I, I take Pastor Mark's equation and just change it up a little bit. You know, my thing is more like change of venue plus change of menu equals a change within you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And, and good food inspires God ideas. That's just me. That's just me. My stars are vignettes. That's just me, though. You know, you find, if for Abram, he's got to get outside of his house. He's got to look up at the stars to understand the magnitude of the greatness of God and what he can accomplish. And when you take your eyes off of your eight-foot ceiling and you begin to look outside into the stars of what he has created, you begin to understand this is not about me. This is not about my dream. This is about God's dream and stepping into his promise. Number four, belief. Abram believes, verse six, and it's credited to him as righteousness. It doesn't matter if you get a dream. It doesn't matter if your dream is big, it's bulky. It doesn't matter if you understand the depth of it. If you don't know that God is able it ain't happening. It's not going to come about. It's outcome versus income. The outcomes never happen if you don't have an income of the Spirit of God in your life. John six twenty nine. It says that, that our calling, that our work is to have faith, is to believe in what? In whom? To believe in myself? No. To believe in my friends? No. To believe in my idea? To believe in my dream? To believe in my ability? No, 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 and no. To believe in the one whom he sent. To believe in Jesus. When we believe in him, we put ourselves in a different position. Abram receives this incredible vision from God. But listen, he's, he's like 75 years old in this situation. So you're telling me, Okay, the man who is going to be a father, literally the father of many nations, is a grandpa with no kids. That's our situation right here. I mean, this is crazy. It makes no sense. But that's the beauty of the dreams that God lays within us. That's the beautiful part of this whole thing, that our job is not to pursue our dream. Our job is to pursue the dream maker. It's never too late to be who you might have been. Joel 2, 28 and 29 says this, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions and men and women alike, servants, will experience an outpouring of my spirit in those days. When dreams begin to happen among us, it's a sign of the Spirit and the presence of God at work in our lives and in our community. So Abram has his dream. 75 years old, though. I mean, that's old. But he believes, okay, this can happen. I guess so. And so, so what he does, though, is he understands. i got to giddy up, though, for this thing to happen. And so he puts a timeline on God. And when, well, here's what happens. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing changes, nothing happens. And so Abram gets frustrated and he decides, okay, since it's not working in my timing, in my way, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And so 
when Sarah doesn't get pregnant, his wife, he goes to Sarah's servant, Hagar. And he is with Hagar, and then Hagar gets pregnant. So when things didn't happen in his will and his way, he decided to step in and try to fix things for God. If you pursue the right dream with the wrong motive, it won't be a dream. It will be a nightmare. And that's what Abram stepped into. He stepped into a nightmare, both short-term and long-term, because his family began to fight right now, and it would fight for the rest of his days. It would fight for the rest of his lives. It's, patient. it's, it's patience versus passion. He had the passion to receive God's vision, but he didn't have the patience to wait for God's promise. Listen, God's vision is not a slave to our timing. Do you know that's true? He's not waiting for us to give the green light, to give the okay, and now this thing can happen. No. When your dream doesn't happen in your time or in your way, what do you do? How do you react? Some of us quit, and we give up, and we say, I don't, well, I don't believe in God. I'm sick. I'm frustrated at God, or I don't want to deal that, with that right now. And so we step aside, or we walk away, and we quit because we don't want to deal with the disappointment. And we don't want to feel the pain. But you know that, that there are different kinds of pain. There's pain that's destructive and there's pain that's constructive. And there's pain that, that tears you down, it wears you down, it pushes you down. And then there's pain that builds you up, that picks you up, that makes you stronger. And so when we look at this idea, we see that, that complainers see pain as problem. That complainers see pain as punishment, but disciples see pain as preparation, as getting you ready for what is to come, for what God has in store for every single one of us. Some of us don't quit, but we take things in our own hands, right? Just like Abram, he has this incredible vision from God. And then it doesn't happen, so he begins to be unpatient, and he decides to take things into his own hands. Listen to this. This is important. There's a difference between intentionality and manipulation. There is a big difference between intentionality and manipulation. We need to have intentionality in our lives. In fact, some of us need to hear that word today. Like that's the one we need to take home. We need to get intentional about those things that God has given to us. We need to step out and stop aimlessly wandering. We need to get off our rear and get it in gear. We need to step out and we know the priorities that God has given to us. We need to step out and go. We need to chase our dreams. We need to begin to set goals and pursue those things and pursue God. But the pursuit of God's will cannot turn into the manipulation of our priority. We say that one more time. The pursuit of God's will cannot turn into the manipulation of our priority. Intention turns into manipulation when there's no patience. Now, what's patience? It was great on the way over here. Uh, I drove past a little church by our house, and it, the sign outside said, Patience is waiting for God's will. All right, I'm going to borrow that for just a minute. <laughs> We've got to have patience to stay in a place of intentionality. Many years ago, I began to feel a prompting or a calling to serve in a, an environment of, of full-time ministry capacity. And so and I was excited. 
You know, when you know what you want to do, when you have a dream, you get excited, right? And you start to work towards that. And so I was excited, and, and there's this job opportunity that came about. And I don't know if you're away, this way, but, but sometimes a, an opportunity presents itself, and I begin to, um, to connect the dots and begin to think about how this is exactly the right and how God is setting it up and how this is perfect, and this is even God's will. And I start to jump ahead of the game. And so that's what I did with this job opportunity. And then what happens? I don't get the job. Disappointment. Extreme frustration. Frustrated with God, frustrated with myself. And, and then what happens? And then, okay, well, I just need to talk. I need to explain this out a little bit more. I need to work a little bit harder. And then what do you do? You start to try to manipulate the situation because you're going, hey, God, like, had this dream, and I know it's from you, but then here was the, the outgrowth of the dream, and, and like, were you sleeping? Did you miss it? Were you playing golf? Like, you miss this, and I need to try to fix it now, and you start to try to manipulate the situation. You missed it. This was right. Here's the thing, though. It wasn't right. <laughs> Maybe, was it the right idea? Yes. Was it the right timing? No. Now, here's the secondary question. Why was it not the right timing? Was that because God wasn't ready or because I wasn't ready? Let me say it this way. Some of us have been given a dream. We've been given a dream by God. It's a great dream. It's an awesome dream. We are excited about that dream. But that dream can be right for us, but we might not be right for that dream yet. I'll say it this way. We might be right for that dream, but we might not be ripe for that dream. Maybe we don't have enough scars yet to, to stay in a place of humility. Maybe we don't have the experience yet to know to always come back and to always give glory to God in all situations, whatever it is. It's not just about pursuing and catching the right dream. We need, to, we need to, to grapple with that idea. It's not just about pursuing and catching the right dream. It's about becoming the right person. God's dream for you is not just about what you're doing. It's about who you are becoming. Like Abram, we can live in pursuit. And we can man, manufacture a dream. But when you try to make God's will happen, you step into the place of living in the consequence of trying to play God. That's what happens. Now, we agree with and we love God's promises, don't we? Ooh, that's good. I like that. Yes. God, your promises are good. But, but oftentimes we don't agree with the construction of his promises. And so we're left with two very, yes, I agree in the promises, but no, I don't like how you're trying to bring these things about. So how do you bridge that gap? It's a very simple word, and it's called faith. Faith sounds a lot easier on paper, doesn't it? <laughs> and then you begin to practice it, and you realize faith extends yourself spiritually. We come before God. We begin to understand our calling, that our calling isn't a just about what we are doing, is it? I remember the, the first time, well, I remember uh, when my wife came to me and she told me that uh, she was pregnant with our, our firstborn. And I was so excited. I was emotionally overwhelmed. And uh, we were talking and I'm just thinking, man, I am so excited about having our little boy. 
And then I realized, okay, well, there might be another chromosome in play here. And uh, on January 29th, almost six years ago, we had Eloise Kimberly Schmidgall. And she was perfect. She still is perfect to us, not everyone. (laughs) And um, we were so excited. I couldn't ask God. I wouldn't trade her for anything. She was absolutely perfect. But when we had, I was afraid. I was scared of little girls. Like with little boys, you just, you know, you get them and you kick them around a little bit and you throw dirt on their wounds and you take them to a ball game and, and it's all good, right? But, but how, like, I don't know as a dad, how am I supposed to treat a little girl? How do I raise her up? I don't know how this works. I remember talking with some friends. I remember talking with my brother about it, just saying this. And so I started to ask questions. I started to watch some videos. I started to read some books. But I remember reading this one book that, that really impacted me. And it was a book, uh, it was from a, a woman journalist who began to talk about her relationship with her father. And she talked about who her dad was and how who he was affected who she became, about how she saw herself, and about how she perceived other people. And I began to have this, this realization that, man, I need to be there and I need to to be present and fully there. And I need to take care of my little girl, but I also need to understand that it's not just about that. It's also about me continuing to become the person that God has called me to be and and continuing to pursue the dreams that God has placed in my life. When I think about the dream of my little girl becoming a beautiful woman of God, both inside and out, that dream is not accomplished just by what I do but it's accomplished by who I am around her and with her. It's it's not just a one-sided thing here. And sometimes I think we can get so focused on what we are to do, the action points and the steps. But the point is this, that it's about the the integrity that I live with. It's about the the values that I think and that I believe and I live. You know that, that what your parents gave to you was not just what they said. It's not just what's taught, but it's what's caught, right? And what they really believed and what you really saw, those are the things that are passed on to you. Same with our kids. What do we really believe? What do we really live out? It's about who I am in front of my kids that affects their destiny, their dream, their future. So our dreams should not just focus on behavior. They should focus on molding of our character. God's dream for you is not always about what you are doing, but about who you are becoming. He calls us out and he gives us a dream. A lot of us have started our New Year's resolutions. More of us have ended our New Year's <laughs> resolutions. It's funny, when I'm talking to somebody about resolutions and, and they're telling me theirs. I'm like, wow, you're going to do that for a whole year? Well, no, no. I mean, probably, you know, a couple weeks or a month or so. Like, we've gotten to that point where New Year's resolution is for the month of January, hopefully, right? (laughs) Can we make it one month? But a dream is bigger and longer than a resolution. I pray that we're not so short-sighted that when we think about dreams and, and when our dreams are not happening in our timing or in our way, that we will still understand that the purposes of God are still being accomplished. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10 and 11, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven 
and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return void. It will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. It will not return void, but will always be accomplishing exactly what he intended it to accomplish. We don't like the intended part, but that's a part of his purposes coming about in our lives. In Genesis chapter 17, God comes along and he reaffirms this promise that he gave Abram back in, verse, in chapter 15. But this time, Abram is 99 years old. It's been 24 years, but it took 24 years for Abram to understand that it's not about what I am doing. It's about who I am becoming. And so what happens? God comes along and he changes his name from Abram to Abraham, the father of many nations. And the next year at 100 years old, he has a son named Isaac. And the rest of the scriptures are the fulfillment of this God-given dream, of this dream that Abram had. In fact, most major religions point back to to the Abrahamic covenant. He had a dream, and then he had faith, and he saw that fulfilled in God's way, in God's timing. God's vision, your dream, can easily become the most frustrating thing in your life. It will become the most frustrating thing in your life until you embrace this idea of becoming We're all in different places today. Some of us are trying to formulate a dream. Others are are grappling with a dream. And then some of us are, are trying to pursue a dream in our lives. But wherever we are, I pray that that you wouldn't just pursue a dream, but that you would pursue the dream maker. And praying over this sermon, I just and just praying and believing that there are people here today, that there are people listening to this sermon that you desire to unleash those dreams within them, that they have put them aside, they have set them apart, and they focus so hard on them and forgot about the equation of God-given dreams. Just like earlier I talked about, we caught this squirrel and they took the cage out, and the, and the squirrel's going nuts in the cage. I threw it in my car, and I mean, it's kind of freaking me out a little bit, like he's going to get out or something. So, but I took it down, and I took it down by the river, and I opened it up, and I, I released that. And here's the thing. Like, at some point, we have to get to the place where we say, okay, I'm going to catch, catch, catch. I'm going, going, going. But at some point, we have to release those things. We have to let go. We have to die to self. When you die to self, that's when God steps in and takes a hold of those things. It's so hard when you're talking about attention between manipulation and intentionality. What do I do? Do I sit around? No, you continue to move forward. But don't just pursue an idea. Pursue the one who gave that idea. Get an the presence of God. And when you do, all bets are off. Let's pray. God, we thank you that your word never returns void, that it never returns empty. We thank you, God, that you are the dream maker and that what comes from you does not depend on our skill our ability, our prowess, it doesn't depend on us. It depends on you. And we need to step in and be faithful in those moments. So God, I pray that, that today we would gain a greater understanding 
of how to walk this tension and how to just just step into your presence and pursue you again and again and again. I pray that we wouldn't be so focused on the outcomes that we don't focus on the income, God, but that we would come into your presence and receive you one time, yes, two times, yes, but on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis, God, we pray that we would live in pursuit of you, not so that what we can get, but because of who we can become in you. I believe today, God, that you desire to unleash some dreams that are caged up. I believe that you have greater purposes, intended purposes, for us to step into this day. So I pray for your boldness. I pray for your faith. I pray that we would step out, God, in a way that you have called us to step out. We pray these things, and we surrender today to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.